All right, well, let's go ahead and say goodbye to our citizen kids. We got some great things planned for them. As they go, uh, go ahead and take your Citizen Heights app if you use your phone as your uh, Bible and uh, open your Citizen Heights app. You can see the notes in the... Um, Right on the homepage, just you can switch right through there. Uh, if you don't have the app downloaded, go ahead and do that now. If if you're not going to do it at all, or if you just like reading a Bible with pages, uh, go ahead and turn with us to Psalm chapter 100. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit today uh, about. Well, I'll tell you in a minute what we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about trending. Okay, we're going to talk about trending. Are you ready? And Psalm 100 is going to help us get there. And, and I, would, I would put this down as uh, hashtag truths your pastor told you about. All right? Trending, hashtag truths your pastor told you about. Psalm chapter 100. I'm just going to read maybe four or five verses. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Can I hear a joyful shout? That was impressive. First experience. Well done. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. We didn't make ourselves. We are his people, and we're the sheep of his, of his pasture. Enter into his gates. How? With thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with what? Praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Anybody excited about Jesus in here today? Something was trending this week um, on social media. I'm not sure if you saw it. Uh, it was hashtag lies your parents told you. I don't know if you've caught it. Uh, things that your parents told you that turned out to be lies. And, and, of course, we all have many, many opportunities. Not my sons. But the rest of us, uh, things that our parents told us, and, and a few of them caught my eye. Uh, there was one that said, if, they were told, if you swallow gum, it'll be in your stomach for seven years. Anybody get told that? I got told that. Uh, somebody else said, uh, this, shared this experience, uh, and I recall this one as well. Their parents telling them, if you tell the truth, I won't be angry. <laughs> Total lie. <laughs> we told the truth. Yeah. Mayhem ensued. Uh, how about this one? This is for some of us more unfortunate, you know, dysfunctional backgrounds. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hold your birthday money for you until you're older. <laughs> Ever get told that? Um, my mom, this is one of the things my mom would, would tell me. She'd say, if you eat watermelon seeds, if you swallow those, a watermelon's going to grow in your stomach. That's terrifying. <laughs> because you have already swallowed several seeds by the time you're told that vital, critical information. Uh, my mom was big on this one, too. We'd be driving in the car. We'd flip on the dome light inside the car. And she would screech. If you turn on the dome light, you're blinding the other drivers. Did anybody ever be told this? You're blinding the other drivers. And even as a kid, I remember going, how could this work? 
the dome lights in here, it's hardly enough light for me, and it's somehow blinding them. And we, but we're frantic trying to flip it off. We're blinding other drivers right now with the dome light. Uh, and then probably the saddest uh, lies your, your parents tell you was uh, the ringing of the ice cream truck's bells mean, means he's out of ice cream. That's why, he, that's why he plays his tune. He's got to go restock. <laughs> lies your parents tell you. Hey, it was trending. It caught my eye. And, uh, and, and it's even, even as I read it, I thought, that's interesting. This is trending. That's why it found me. And even 10 years ago, the, the concept of it was trending would not have been recognized. It's trending. It, it's an interesting turn of phrase, isn't it? And uh, it, it's new. And it means something's um, emerged as a popular trend. It means something has become um, it ha- has become, it's currently popular and it's being widely discussed. And when something's currently popular and being widely discussed, all of a sudden the algorithms find it and it starts coming up and it begins to trend. And it's a meme or it's a challenge or it's a new fashion craze or it's an accessory you have to have. And, and I wonder, I wonder if this morning we can start something. And we can get something trending at Citizen Heights. And I wonder if we can get something trending for your summer. Um, matter of fact, I want to do something called the 30-Day Summer Challenge. I know your summer is longer than 30 days, but I, I believe if you, can, if you can do something for 30 days, you can do it for a summer. And if you can do it for a summer, you've got a value that will last you a lifetime. And I want to do a 30-Day Summer Challenge, it, 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 something that we can widely discuss, something that... Uh, could emerge as, as being everyday excitement. Um, but more than a passing trend, what, I, what I'm looking for here is an anchoring truth. You know, because trends do come and go, but truth get, anchors you to something, doesn't it? And so this anchoring truth that I want to discuss with you today is worship. And, and I know just it was just two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, uh, Carlos gave us another vital um, installment on worship. We're a worshiping church, and he talked about worship and a worship lifestyle. Uh, But I know myself well enough, and I know people well enough to know that hearing something once is probably not enough. In fact, we probably need it two or three or four times before it dissolves and gets past kind of that that layer of comfort of our own humanity and gets into a, a place where we say, God, go ahead, and if you created me, if, if you're the potter and I'm the clay, I've got to let you mess with my form sometimes. And, and i got to let God worship, mess with my worship form if my worship is not reflective of what he envisioned. And that can take some time, can it? Are you okay? Because think about it. In, in some ways, worship is already trending in society and culture, especially in church culture. We have more worship options than ever before. You know, we love Hillsong. You might like Bethel. You might like Elevation. You might like Maranatha. You might like Hosanna. You might like Second Chapter of Acts. You might like, I'm trying to go way back, Sandy Patty. Um, you might like Don Francisco. I mean, I, Stop it. We have more worship options. We have better worship songs, right? We have more expressive and, and excellent creative uh, uh, captures of worship. 
So I suppose in a lot of ways it is trending, but it's got to be more than a trend. Um, it's got to be more than something that other spiritual people do. It's got to be more than just what other more spiritual people than me do. Worship's got to get personal for you today. Worship's got to be something beyond just what some people do at church. It's what everybody who encounters God does. It's everybody who's after God does. And so um, Psalm 100, we just read it. Make a joyful shout. Come before a presence with singing. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. His courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. Why? For the Lord, verse 5, the Lord is good. It just gives this thing, just make it, in Psalm 100, it's entitled a psalm of thanksgiving. And that's what worship is. It's thanksgiving. We know how to say thank you, don't we, for the most part as a culture? Just, just turn to your neighbor right now and say thank you. Right? Doesn't that feel good? You don't even know what you did. You, just, you look good. You smell good. You worshiped good. You shared your snacks with them during the five. Whatever, being thanked is something we understand. But sometimes we see our position as it relates to God the Father as, as he's so up there and we're so not worthy down here that we think, what could he possibly do with my thanks? What would he possibly want with my thanks? And, and here's the thing, worship doesn't do so much for God as it does for you. He wants you to worship because you need worship. Our, our city needs your worship. Your family needs your worship. Your spouse needs your worship. Your neighborhood needs your worship. And it's so powerful. Worship is so powerful. It, worship played a vital role in, in Joshua 6 in the most unlikely, improbable, impossible victory of this upstart new little society called the Hebrews. And, and here they come wandering into what God was calling their promised land. And th- the first battle they run into, Jericho, the unstoppable city of Jericho. And it's amazing how God said, yes, yeah, send the worshipers first. Let them go first. But shouldn't we put our like most skilled, most impressive, most intimidating warriors first? God says, no, you, you need to understand something. Worship opens doors you'll never be able to open. Worship changes realities you'll never be able to change. Because worship is powerful. You know, we, we see in Acts, Paul and Silas are in a prison cell. And, and it says that there's iron gates and bars and there's iron shackles. So they're not just... They're not just uh, detained, they're, they're in chains. And it, and it says that they began to worship. And I love it. It says about midnight, which I love because when it's darkest, when you're in the darkest part of that darkest season and the darkest day, what do you go to? Worship. And so they began to worship and the earth shook and the iron gates fell off their hinges that doesn't just happen, we understand, right? Worship opens doors because it's powerful. Uh, the Psalm, 150 chapters in, in the book of Psalms, all declaring thanksgiving, all declaring rejoice in the Lord, all, de- all declaring um, heartfelt connection between God and his creation. So I want to I do a 30-day challenge, okay? And here's my 30-day challenge. I haven't thought this out very well. 
and I don't have a lot of ways to help you in this, but this is my 30-day challenge. One worship song a day, every day. You can worship to it on a video. If you've got a, a voice that you can, you know, stand listening to, then maybe you don't need a video. Maybe you don't need the, your, to, pl- to play a Hillsong song. Maybe you're just going to sing a song. Maybe it's going to be a song already written. Maybe you're going to sing your own song. But one worship song, five to seven minutes a day. And here's the deal, with your eyes closed. I don't know why that's a big deal, but I feel like that's a big deal. I know why it's a big deal, because I look around during worship sometimes, and some of us are still trying to figure out, uh, is this for me? Is this for you? Is this, for, is this a performance? Should I be appreciating what's going on on stage? Should I clap at the end of it? No, no, no. This is a moment to encounter God, and it's amazing when you close your eyes and you, you shut out everything else, that it, the transaction goes from being melody and harmony and musical, and it becomes a soul-level response to a God who loves us with such incredible love that you can actually feel it. The Bible talks about taste and see that the Lord is good. His goodness can be felt in your life. Now, again, we already talked about John 4. There's a truth behind worship that anchors you beyond feelings, but there is a spirit behind the truth that moves your feelings. This is good. I'm feeling it. A's, five to seven minutes a day, worship with your eyes closed. Watch what happens. I'll tell you what I think you can expect. Two things. Number one, you can expect what, what worship does because worship is powerful. Worship creates a powerful atmosphere in your world. Worship creates a powerful atmosphere in your world. Get ready for things to change because if you've been living in a place where things have been tensed, tense and, and anxiety and maybe depressed and maybe argumentative type of atmosphere and all of a sudden your atmosphere shifts and it becomes a little bit more cheerful, becomes a little bit more joyful because the bible says in the presence of the lord there is joy if you're missing out on joy you might be missing out on his presence in the presence of the lord is joy so nobody can take your joy but you can remove yourself from your source of joy it's jesus in the presence of the Lord, there's joy. And all of a sudden, your atmosphere changes. And now there's joy and there's, there's cheer. And the Bible says the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you go, man, I feel a little bit stronger this week. What's going on? Like I got a little bit more grace when the kids would have tired me out by now or I would have been agitated or frustrated. But I got a little bit more grace because there's a little bit more divine enablement, which is God's strength in me that I got from the joy of the Lord that I got in the presence of the Lord. I wish we were in a church that clapped as good as the points were. (laughs) Oh, was that out loud? My inner thoughts. What's interesting to me, Psalm 100 says, rejoice. It just simply says, rejoice. You know what rejoice means? It means decide to be happy. Decide to express joy. See, the, the Bible doesn't try to talk you into it. The Bible doesn't try to, like, finesse you into joy. It just says, do it. Rejoice. Decide it right now. That is one of the greatest tools you'll ever ever learn as an adult. And we're teaching our kids now, like, joy is not a feeling. Joy is a decision. You just decide to rejoice. Decide to have joy. Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful shout. Right? As soon as you start to praise God, what you're doing is you're creating an 
You're creating this atmosphere. And, and what is the atmosphere? Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 22.3 tells us what the atmosphere is. It says, he inhabits the praises of his people. So when you and I go into that place of worship, that place of praise, that place of rejoicing, we've just made a place where God wants to hang out. I'm not going to switch mics now, guys. <laughs> it makes a place where God is going to hang out. He inhabits the praises. He hangs out. He dwells. He settles. One time, I remember, I went on vacation for a couple of days. I had some work-related trip. It wasn't vacation. It was work-related trip. <laughs> and... Uh, we, Heather and I had only been married for like a year and a half. And so uh, I go away for a couple of days. I come back. I walk into the room of our one-bedroom townhouse apartment in Williamsburg, Virginia. Our next-door neighbors are raising pit bulls and selling weed. That's what they do for a living. I'm not even kidding. Just to give you an idea of where we live. <laughs> it, and so I walk into our house, and as soon as I walked in, I went, What's different? And there was a noise in the background, and there was just, like, there was this sense of peace. There was this sense of calm. There was this, I don't, I don't know, like this, this faith-filled type of, like, we can do anything. And so Heather comes down the stairs, and I'm like, man, it feels amazing in here. What have you been doing? She's go, she goes, I know. The Lord, like, put it on my heart to change the atmosphere of where we live. So she said, I decided I would play worship 24 hours a day. She goes, so even though I turn it down low when I go to bed, she goes, it's on 24 hours a day. And she goes, and I feel it too. Listen, worship is powerful because it changes the atmosphere. And it's no wonder that sometimes the net effect of, of all the noise we listen to in life is anxiety or stress or strain. Because our playlist, quite honestly, is not that which is God ordained or God focused or or God exalting or God honoring. It's it's people crushing, it's problem focusing. It says, come into my presence with singing. And by Sunday we come into his presence with just sneering, you know, we're just we're just kind of weighted down and we got an attitude and life has been rough. And what if 30-day challenge? The atmosphere begins to change. Psalm 34, let's put this up so you can see it. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord, and let's exalt his name together. We each have a role. Your 30-day challenge is at home, in the car, as you commute, in the workplace, wherever you are. That's your 30-day challenge. But when we come together on a Sunday, that's us together. Magnifying God. Come on, let's, he, he says, magnify the Lord with me. I, I, if I was Carlos, that's, that's what I'd be feeling. Like, come on, let's do this together. Our worship team, as they lead us, I hope you know that as far as we go as a church, it's not based upon how good the front line of our worship team is. It's how good we are as a, as a church of saying we're going together into the presence of Jesus today. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to get there before the front line does because we're ready to go. We're ready to worship. So we have a personal part to play. We have a personal role in enlarging God's presence in the world. You like it? I'm liking this so far. You just start singing. You just start to worship. It doesn't matter if you're out of pitch. It's not about a vibe or a groove or a beat. It's not about the melody. It's not about any of that. It's about that 
that place. It's not about hype on a Sunday. It's not about mesmericism. It's not about crowd dynamics. It's about a dynamic God who loves us and has opened arm invitation saying, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And in my presence, you'll find strength and you'll find joy. It's more than all those other things. We're creating an atmosphere over our lives. You ever been around somebody who creates an atmosphere? Not a good atmosphere? Like the whiner or the complainer, the Debbie Downer, the Walter Weiner. We got to spread it out <laughs> to other genders, right? They pollute the they pollute the atmosphere of their own spirit and it gets all over you. They've got negative thoughts. They've got God contrary ideas. They've got God doubting prognosis. I mean, everything they talk about is, oh, that's probably not going to work out. And oh, yeah, that's that's really hard. It's amazing. You get around people like that, you feel different, don't you? Instead of an open heaven, you feel like there's, it's like hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, the Bible says lift up holy hands, and that person's just got clenched, clenched fists, you know? And instead, of, instead of being in that place where, man, God is good, they're always in that place where, man, I got an ax to grind. And, and that atmosphere gets on you, but then somebody else, you get in somebody else's atmosphere, and uh, it's somebody who knows how to worship. It's somebody who knows how to lift their eyes off of what they see. Because the Bible says we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And that means we're always seeing beyond what is seen. And we can't really see on our own that way. So we got to see through God's eyes. And to get in that perspective, you need to be in a faith perspective. Worship gets you there. It changes the atmosphere. You're clapping. You're shouting. You're rejoicing. You're thanking. You're kneeling. You're dancing. You're celebrating. You're you're singing. You're doing whatever it is that you do. And I understand. It may push the envelope of your own comfort level. But I've been to games with some of you people. If you go to a professional sporting event, you know how to do it. And I've been to a few bars with some of you as well, <laughs> happy to say. <laughs> and you know how to do it there. And all of you CrossFit cult people, you know how to do, you get so excited about everything. Right? You, can, you say, I can't see myself getting to a place where I'm like a worshiper. But you understand you're already worshiping. The question is, are you worshiping the one who gave you life? It's in him that we live and move and have our being. It's every breath we exhale. Is the, the, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the cycle and the reverberation of the initial breath he breathed into Adam when he said, I want somebody to hang out with me. And he walked with Adam in the cool of the day through the garden because our creative, in, our creative intenten, intention and our creative purpose was to hang out with God and to be in his presence. We were created to know God. No wonder you're most alive in life when you connect and worship to the God who created us to know him. Atmosphere shifts, shifts, doesn't it? All right, I got to give you the second one. The second thing you can expect, 30-day challenge, is an attitude change. Worship creates a powerful attitude in your life. Worship is powerful. It creates an atmosphere outside your life and around your life, but it also creates a different, it's powerful. It, it messes with your own attitude. 
Worship changes our attitude. Uh, when Owen, Owen, my third born, he's in the front row right now, and when he was little, um, he had this thing he would do, and I don't know, if Melissa, April, you might remember, he did this thing where he'd get excited and uh, about something. If he was excited about what we were doing, he'd go, woohoo! Like he would literally woohoo. And, and it would be about simple things. We'd say, hey, hey uh, it's time for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He'd be like, woohoo! And I'd be just like, you're right, woohoo. Like, it's good to have food, right? Hey, it's time to go pick up your brothers from school. Woohoo! You know? He literally would woohoo. And it was this attitude, you know? Um, Philippians 4, I want you to see something because we started with Psalm 100. It says rejoice. Not a, it's, not a, it's not trying to talk us into it. It's just giving us a secret to life. Rejoice. But look at Philippians 4. Paul gets really specific here on giving us a secret. And I think a secret not just to your atmosphere but to your attitude. It says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord how much? Let's try again. Rejoice in the Lord how much? I will say it again, Paul says, Rejoice. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Verse 11, Paul says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. My joy and my worship is not connected to my paycheck. My joy and my worship is not connected to how my life is going. Verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to to be without, and I know what it is to be blessed. But that's not the secret to joy. He says, I've learned the secret. Here's the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. He goes, here's the secret. Rejoice. Rejoice. And again, I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. And if there's anything you can find in life that is praiseworthy, think about that stuff. Stop thinking about all the other stuff that is not worthy to give a God who's worthy praise. He says, I found the secret. Rejoice always. He says, I love life. I love it when I'm driving with no traffic. I love it when I'm driving with traffic. I love it when I find a parking spot, and I love it when i got to walk seven blocks. Come on, I'm a morning person and I'm a night person, right? You just start, you get to this place where you say, you know what, life is good because God is good. And it's changing my attitude. Rejoice. You ever meet somebody from a third world country? You go on a missions trip or you go somewhere and and all of a sudden you meet somebody and, and they don't have any of the things, but they have all the things, and you can't even figure out, like, how can they be so joyful? How can they be so energetic? How can their smile be so big? It's because there's, when you rejoice in the Lord, when you make the decision, and you've learned the secret, it's not about the goods. You got the goods? You got the next thing you wanted? No, no, but, but I do have gratitude. I have gratitude to a God who did everything I needed him to do, and every day is a gift from God. God, uh, Isaiah 64, 5. It says, God meets with those who rejoice. Isn't that interesting? You start rejoicing, God starts the meeting. You come with rejoicing. So many of us are waiting for God to show up to start rejoicing. Well, if I feel it. No, no, worship is a decision. It's a decision to rejoice. Learn to be thankful. We love 
hearing someone thank you is powerful. Giving thanksgiving is power, powerful. When my kids live in a, in a semi-state of, of thanksgiving, you know, it's one thing when I hand them something, they go, oh, thanks, Dad. But when Easton will do this many times, we'll just be driving down the road and Easton will be like, Dad, thanks that you get us food. Dad, thanks that you take us to Chick-fil-A sometimes, every day. And he's just, I don't know, he's just sitting there for a moment and he's thinking about his life. And he just realizes for a minute, you know what, life is pretty good. Because my dad's pretty good. So why wouldn't I tell him? I wonder how many moments go by the blessing of God, the favor of God. You're like, well, I'm still working a job I don't like. But you're working a job. You want to know one of the lies our parents told us is study hard, get good grades, and you'll have a great job. I mean, you're lucky to have a job. Right? And you just begin to live in that place of thanksgiving. I think we should be thanking more and complaining less. I think it would change our attitude. I think it would change us from the inside out. Think about it. The Lord, he is God. We are his people. He is our good shepherd. Bible says he withholds no good thing from us. And yet, here we go. Do I say thank you today? Yeah. Do it. Well, how should I do it? I don't know. Read the Bible. Talks about how God wants to be praised. It's from the heart, number one. But it gets to your hands. Gets to your head. Gets to your, a declaration from your mouth. With your whole being at some point. And maybe you can't do that on a Sunday. But you can start it in your living room or in your car as you commute. And you say, God is that good. I'm the object of his affection. I should say thanks today. He pulled out all the stops and went all the way for me. I should say thanks today. If God doesn't even do another thing for me, I've got enough to say thank you every single day to worship. I'll give you one last, maybe two, but look at this. Psalm 42 says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? When, can, when do I get to go again? On Sunday, I hope that's how you feel. Like, oh, we're going to meet with God. This is going to be great. Because if, I, I know I'm in the room and you're in the room. And, you know, on our best day, we're hit and miss. But God's going to be in the room. And so when do I get to meet with God? I'm so excited because God is in the room. Imagine if somebody called you today and say, you get to meet with your hero. Or you get to meet with this celebrity. Or you get to meet with this philanthropist. And you go, oh, I have an expectation. I get to meet with them. But God Almighty... The one who rules the heavens and the earth and in a moment spoke everything that is in existence. The first use of communication was not description. It was creation. And understand, when we worship, we're creating an atmosphere. We're creating a way for us to go to a new attitude. We're creating as we worship him, as we use speech just as he did. 
There's an excitement. There's an enthusiasm. I, I get to meet with God. We put on the garment of praise. Amen. Be thankful. Be thankful you live in a great city. Be thankful that you go to what I think is a great church because Jesus is here. Be thankful that you live in a place where you can open your Bible. Be thankful that next week we're going to celebrate the, the country we live in where we can worship God and we can tell our neighbor about Jesus and not wonder if we're going to be arrested for it. Come on, thank God for your spouse. Maybe it's not the husband that you dreamt for, but begin to speak life and creation into them. Start to thank God for your wife because she's more than you deserve anyway. We already know that. Thank God for your kids. Just get in that place of thanksgiving. Amen. I'll just, we'll land it right here. But I, I remember as a kid watching cartoons on Saturday morning, we watch all these cartoons. And one of my favorite cartoons was a cartoon called The Jetsons. It was like this futuristic animated world and everybody's flying around in ships and you had this, this family and they lived on these little poles up in the sky with the, in these pods. That's where their homes. They lived in the sky. And one of the things I love most about The Jetsons is when they had all these futuristic devices. They had robot maid and a robot dog and, and all these little buttons that they could push. And, and one of the things I love most is they'd wake up in the morning and if they looked out their little pod window and it was gloomy and cloudy and rainy, they'd go over to this little punch pad and they would do, 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 do. And it would bring the elevation of their pod higher to where the sun was shining above the cloud line. They just dial it in to another level. I love that. I think worship does that for us. When you go to another level in worship, you get beyond the clouds, you get beyond the gloom, you get beyond some of the things that have been really just grabbing your heart and grabbing and, and stealing your joy. It doesn't change your problems, but it changes how you see the God who's going to get you through your problems doesn't change your issues, but it puts your focus on the God who's seen worse and done better on the other side than you can do. I love that. I love it. You ready to take the 30-day challenge? One worship song a day. Eyes closed from your heart. Something's going to happen. Can I pray with you? Father, we thank you today for your goodness. And even as a whole church, we just respond to this message, God. I'm just going to presume for a minute that we're all going to respond to this 30-day challenge. We're going to say yes to you. So we're going to respond, and God, I ask that you meet us in that place. Father, you're waiting to, to show up. God meets with those who rejoice. God, we want to have encounters with you. We want to know your presence. We want to hear your still, small voice. We, don't have, we want to have that God confidence that says, man, I've been with my Father, and he's with me. And because he's with me, I can do anything. So, Father, we, we respond to that, and even as we all respond, I want to give an opportunity specifically today with every eye closed. You're here today, and 
you know, you're hearing us talking about worship and this encounter with God, but the truth is you don't know where you stand with God. You haven't had that initial encounter, or maybe you've had that encounter, but you've walked away from it, or it's grown cold, grown cold, and you, you don't know where you stand. I want to pray a prayer over this entire room here in a moment, a prayer of commitment. And I'm going to ask right now as I count to three, that when I hit three, you just lift your hand, and by lifting your hand, you're saying, I need, I need God in my life. I need to know where I stand with Him. The Bible says we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But the Bible also says that God demonstrated His own love for us, that while we were still sinners and sinning, He died for us to pay the price and the penalty of sin so that we would be forgiven and we could have a relationship with God. With every eye closed, I want you to respond today. You don't need to clean yourself up or get right. This is the moment it all happens. It's a moment of surrender and receiving God's love for your life. One, don't wait. Today's a day. Two, he loves you right where you sit. I'm not going to trick you into standing up. I'm not going to draw any attention to you, but there's something about saying, I know the answer. It's Jesus. There's something about raising your hand and saying, God, I surrender to you. Are you ready? One, two, three hands in the air. Say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Praise God. We're going to pray very quickly right now. All together, dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. So I surrender all I am, all I've been, all I hope to be, and I put it in your hands. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By grace, I've been saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's rejoice with those who just prayed that.